Hello. Hello. Hi. Yeah, hi. Okay, Welcome I guess to we're... the party. <laughs> I guess we're on here. Okay, so these are saved. So even if we don't have listeners at this very moment, and by the way, everyone can see both of our heads, we can just see our, our each other's heads. So even if we don't have listeners in this moment, I'm just going to go through the whole uh, show the way that it is, and then we can share it later because everyone that will be here and if you're listening later, these do stay on our profile, so you can always see them later. Um, let's go over some things. I want to just welcome everyone to our first Stereo Live show. This is so fun. I love it. I love our little avatars. Today, I've invited one of my good friends. Her name is Shelly, and she has a channel. She has many channels, but Shelly Saves the Day on YouTube. And I'm going to let Shelly introduce herself in just a moment. But as the title suggests, we are going to be discussing whether or not it's too late to start a career on YouTube. I know a lot of people are still very interested in whether or not this is even a viable career. And it is a career. So this, if this is your first time hearing my voice, I'm Kimberlea. I, I'm going to tell you briefly, I own a phone case company. It's called Kimber.com. I've been on YouTube for over 10 years. Shelly and I are both YouTube certified. I'm in channel growth. What's yours, Shelly? I am channel growth and content strategy. Oh, she's got both. And um, we're pretty familiar with, we're really familiar with how YouTube works. We've done a lot of experimentation. And so we're here to help. Uh, I've changed my niche many times over the course of the last 10 years. And I have multiple channels as well. So I just want to have Shelly introduce herself. And then I'm going to go over some of our ground rules. It'll be quick. And then we'll get started. Hi, everyone. My name is Shelly. And I have a YouTube channel where you can find me under Shelly Saves the Day. And on there, I'm talking about YouTube. And I'm talking about video editing so that you can be able to share what you love with the world. Perfect. And if you are new to stereo, what you can do is you can give us a voice message and it will be a question about the topics we're going to be discussing. And it is moderated, so it will go to our moderator and they will go ahead and listen. All that we ask is that they stay about 30 seconds long and that they stay on topic. You're going to hear my dog's bark and that you are not, you know, vulgar, inappropriate, things of that nature. I'm sure you know how to be an adult, <laughs> but we're excited for those questions. If you have any, don't worry if you don't, we're going to go over some myth busting and the three topics are going to be whether YouTube is oversaturated because I hear that one a lot, whether you're too old, because as you know, there, there are a lot of channels with younger creators and whether or not you really have to have a niche and what happens if you don't have one. So those are the three topics. If anyone has any questions up front, you can just hit the little, uh, I think it's a little play button underneath where we're talking and you can ask us a question. So Shelly, I want to start with your opinion. We can go back and forth. Is YouTube oversaturated? Ooh, here's the thing. It, it's always going to be oversaturated, but... <laughs> that doesn't mean you can't get into it. And I would say for anyone getting into YouTube, it usually comes down to, if you think about it, there's one 
makeup palette that's being released and everyone in the world is talking about it but the way that you make yourself different in a saturated market such as that is you either have to be different you have to be first or you have to be you know like just better in some sort of way so um i think that anyone who's thinking wow doesn't matter what genre it's oversaturated it's never going to get less saturated than it already is right now. So if that is <laughs> right. the only reason like, you're not jumping into it, that's not the right reason. So absolutely, yes, there are some things that you can do to stand out and make yourself in a better position. But just the overall stance of it's overly saturated, that's when you're looking top of funnel at, you know, beauty. Beauty is oversaturated. But then you go down to cruelty free beauty and then you go down a little farther and it's um cruelty free beauty that also is stage and performance makeup that's like two layers down still in a right. very oversaturated market but it's different or it's better or it's you know first or something so i think there's still ways around it but i mean yeah everything is oversaturated if you think about it that's just my opinion <laughs> yeah no that's what we want i just did some research the other day and i found out that there's 38 million YouTube channels. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're all creators. But yes, I mean, it's oversaturated, like you said. But I think it is really important to set yourself apart. And like you said, with the beauty aspect, what if you have red hair? Or what if you have, you know, something different that you can sort of use as that differentiating factor where... Right. It just, yeah, like it's, it makes you stand apart. Your thumbnails can set you apart. And really my perspective on it for myth busting is that YouTube's job is to get the right content to the right viewer. And YouTube knows, Google knows who you are. So it's going to give you whatever it thinks you're going to like. So you're bound to see some of that content come past your homepage. Or when you search something, it'll know what you might want to watch compared to because you already watched something like it. So you almost don't have to worry about it and just focus on making quality content. And it's almost as that as though you're the cook and then YouTube is the server. Like once you cook the food, you're not really worried about what table it's going to. You kind of pass it off. And that's how I kind of see YouTube. Yeah. So the next one, and we can go into this if anyone has any questions, but or if you have anything else to say about oversaturation, I guess also I just wanted to point out that, yes, you definitely want to find, and it kind of goes with niche, and we'll talk about that in a moment, but you do want to kind of find that that edge, and that's kind of what you said, like drill down more and more and more. And I know not a lot of people want to do that because they're like, well, I want to talk about everything. But it doesn't mean you can't gradually start to go into other topics that aren't exactly cruelty-free, um, down-to-stage makeup or performance makeup. You can even go veering off just a little bit into other beauty beauty products or beauty things. But just to have something right away that catches someone's eye, I think you can definitely... I mean, there's people that start their channels and blow up when they just started them six months ago. You just never know. You just got to put it out there. Yeah. And I think that the longer that you are on YouTube, then the more freedom that you are going to get. And the audience is usually going to allow you to have a little bit more breadth to say, like, I want to know a little bit about you. And maybe one day you throw in a behind the scenes mm -hmm. or a vlog if you're a mostly tutorial channel. But at the beginning, it's sometimes when you want to feed the machine and be in the algorithmic system and being out to the right people, 
you really got to give it similar type of content. And that's why I feel like a lot of people have a lot of struggles, especially at the beginning when they really try to be variety channels, when they try and start as family vlogging channels, because it's really, really difficult because um, it involves the ability to either be a very good storyteller and craft an entire message and video around that, or it requires like something so innately uh, enticing about you as the person where the person wants to mm -hmm. come back week after week, where one week you were talking about chicken and the next week you're talking about something else, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I totally get that. Cause even when I started uh, people, I only had 800 subscribers at the time. I have 230,000 now, uh, you know, like I said, built that over the last decade. But I remember when people used to f ask me, like, do a Q&A. And it was it was weird at first because you're just a normal person, you know, and then someone asked you to do a Q&A. I don't know. It's kind of awkward. But nowadays, I actually do a lot less because I work it into my video. So if I'm doing a topic, I kind of will veer off a little bit and talk about my daughter, talk about my dogs. They're still going to have those questions. And I think another thing to just look out for when you're starting this don't focus on the numbers. I know everyone does. And they think that a video is a failure if they get 20 views. But what I try to put in people's mind is that if 20 people were sitting <laughs> in a conference room or in a room, you would be so excited. Like if you got to speak in front of 20 or 50 or 100 people, you're going to be so excited. Now, um, there is a question. So let's go ahead and see. And we can both answer this one. So let's see what we have. Ooh, I'm excited. I've got a question. How do you get more followers on Instagram then? I want 10K, but I've only got like 1,000 and some followers. How do you get 10K followers on Instagram? Do you buy them? Okay. So, I mean, you can. I wouldn't recommend that um, because you're going to get bots you know they're not real and i kind of i think it's funny because you bought bots and it's like they're not going to interact so if you really are truly trying to build a brand it doesn't matter if you have 500 if they're real people they're going to engage with you and there's something about you that those individuals want you're providing some kind of value by the way your voice i love your accent so that right there is something unique and people are going to follow that so no i i highly discourage anyone to do any kind of botting the system or trying to buy followers in the long run, SEO on YouTube and any other social platform that's hashtags, your titles going live, using the system in all the ways you can uh, is going to get you out there. So you're going to find your audience. And like they say, you only need a thousand true fans. What do you think, Shelly? How do you get to 10,000? Or do you know how to just get yourself out there? And have you found that niche audience? What's the, I, I was having a little tr difficulty listening. Was it oh. specifically about YouTube or was it Instagram getting 10,000? Cause I didn't know if the 10,000 was, was for the swipe up or if it was for something else. It's probably the swipe up. And I'm sorry, I should probably repeat the questions from going forward, but uh, it was for the swipe up or just in general of getting 10,000. And we can talk about both YouTube or Instagram, but he specifically wanted to know about Instagram. Okay, so I will say from personal experience that way back in the day, I don't know, you could probably check it out in Social Blade. I don't know if they keep track of that still, but I had participated in one of those big, large loop giveaways to try and grow my oh, base <laughs> so that I could get a swipe up feature. And I can tell you personally that 
one, it's a, it's a horrible system to get caught into because you may get that influx of people, but they don't necessarily engage with your content and they're not the right people that you want. And all of a sudden, you know, if they leave a comment, it's not a very good comment or a very relevant comment. And so I ended up having to use an entire service again that I paid for to remove anyone I didn't recognize. And, and I, I went down to like, I don't, I don't even know. Like it was like, if I didn't know them, if they hadn't interacted with them, I just cut off everybody because I also didn't like knowing that my engagement rate, which is something that sometimes brands will look at if they're looking at yeah. sponsorships in the future, they'll say, give me your average engagement rate. And if you mm-hmm. say, you know, if you're under 10,000 or so, usually an engagement rate may be somewhere from, you know, 10% or something like that. And then if you get larger than that, um, then maybe you're three to 5% or 7%. Right. And the problem is it was showing an engagement rate of like less than 1% or something just right. horrific, which was awful. So I didn't want to have that because I didn't want to, I had actually hooked up my um, stats into a service called four F O H R. And oh, um, yes. one of the things that they do is they kind of monitor and see how good your engagement or your, your follow rates and different things are. And I'm like, oh, I'm shooting myself in the foot here for any potential brand deals because something like that shows up as just this huge red flag of basically this person has bought their following, which mm-hmm. is what happens when you're in those loop giveaway type things. So <clears throat> I would definitely highly encourage you not to do that. And it's much better because it's a costly mistake that I made, first of all, to have to then go eliminate all of those and then basically start over. But uh-huh. if it's just for the swipe up feature, you can always do a swipe up into an IGTV. So if you make mm-hmm. a one minute video or something, and then you can do a swipe up to an IGTV and an IGTV will have a link that is clickable to any outside source. Now, whether that's an affiliate site, a YouTube video, or whatever you want to make it, that is one of the workarounds that you can do for a swipe up. But when it comes to getting 10,000 on YouTube, it is much better and faster to actually do it the right ways. Stop doing like the sub for sub or the support for Mm -hmm. support or whatever you want to call it these days, (laughs) because those are not your people because eventually one day you're going to want to monetize your audience. And again, you're going to be working with brands or again, any Mm -hmm. of those types of things. And if you don't have real loyal, true following, it can, it can also be, a really, really rough road for you. So it's better if you like create your own email list and start sending notifications to them or to go live to start building up watch time hours or to do collaborations with other people to get in front of other audiences. But I mean, anybody can purchase 10,000 followers, but it doesn't mean that you actually have influence. So if you need to sell something or do anything later, you're not going to sell anything. Exactly. I've done the same. I've done the loop giveaways. They don't care about you. They, they, they just want the prize and then they're just gone and then your numbers go down. I will say though, my engagement rate is not, if, if you look at engagement rate, meaning the likes and the comments, mine is, I have, I think 47,000, maybe somewhere around there, uh, Instagram followers. But again, that came from over the years with YouTube. So not all of those people are active. Then they only show your stuff to like 4% of people and then, you know, the whole thing. But I have noticed brands not asking me for my engagement rate on my posts anymore. They actually started asking me because I'm doing I'm brand deals all the time. And they're asking me for my reach, my impressions, um, my bio clicks, the save. So if you do something like cool quotes, you can say, save this quote. And that's going to show the algorithm and brands that um, you have that engagement. Plus, you engage on stories. Stories are huge. 
the brands want to know how many people are watching your stories, how many are engaging in your little polls and things like that. But I think you're correct with the loop giveaways and the next myth. And uh, I think we're perfect for this one, <laughs> but it's what about being too old, too old? Cause we've both gotten comments about this. I've, I've been called <laughs> yeah. some names, <laughs> grandma face. I, mean, I don't even have a grandma face, but um, yeah, it's bad. I would say to anyone who thinks that you're too old to be on YouTube, no, you're not. Because first of all, there's a lot of people out there, one, who are very comforted by the fact that some people are older, which also sometimes makes you think they're wiser and you want to listen to them. And one of the things that we need are representation amongst every single age group, demographic, mm -hmm. um, and, and like, honestly, every race, every type of, you know, abilities and you know any of those types of things people like to see representation and people like them because it also makes them feel like I'm not hidden away I'm normal I'm integrated and part of the entire system which you are and you should be yes. and you should be represented and the whole point of all of this is to connect with people who are like you or mm -hmm. think you know, or are looking for that type of community. So even if you have a small community of, let's say, 65 year old makeup enthusiasts that also like to cook, whatever else it is, that is a really strong thing to find. And yes. I would encourage anyone to not let that be because here's the thing is the people who are commenting the little 13 year old, you know, idiots. Uh. <laughs> They're not your people that you're trying to connect with. You're trying to connect with other 65-year-old females or whatever, or just people that like makeup and cooking. So right. I would say, yeah, the people who are saying those things to you, they're obviously not your ideal audience. And your mm -hmm. group is out there. And you just can't be afraid to show up because of who you are. You know, you just have exactly. to be, this is who I am. Exactly. I mean, authenticity is always going to win over, you know, trying to do something for a brand or an audience. I mean, I was younger when I started everything and we do have a question, but I was younger when I started everything. And, you know, now I'm older and your audience also grows with you, which is really cool because as you're getting older, your audience is getting older and they're going to care about things that are happening. You know, I mean, like partnerships, um, whether you're getting married, things that are going on in your life. And they're also normally around your age group. They don't necessarily have to be, but I totally agree. You want to find that target audience. You want to find those people and you want to speak from that voice instead of trying to hide it, use it to your advantage. I know a ton of older creators and I actually follow mostly because I am 38. You know, I follow other people that are around my age. Um, we do have a question. So let me go ahead and play it. Hi guys. How are you? Hello. How are you? Oh, that oh, one. That's so sweet. <laughs> that was. Okay, so let me just tell if she wants to come back on, um, when you leave your question, uh, we're good. We're great. We're glad you're here. If you want to leave uh, the audio, just leave your exact question because we can't um, talk in the moment, like live. So if you want to come back, totally ask us. And then another thing with the age that I was going to mention is – Yes, I know some uh, influencers or creators and they do kind of, I'm not going to say hide their age, but I'm thinking of one off the top of my head, not going to name which one it is, but they have a very big channel and mostly they do like slime and 
these prank videos, and those are really fun. I do some of that on my TikTok. But as far as, you know, cultivating that audience that might be more long lasting and fulfilling, because I've done more of that, you know, uh, shallow content, which is totally fine. YouTube needs all of that because there are audiences for all of it. But I feel that it's not as fulfilling when you can't connect, because as you said, connection is why we do it. It's a people business. Right. I think that there is a, um, a, a good lesson in like some of the very big channels like Alicia Marie and Laura DIY who were feeling like I'm 25 years old and this is seven years later, I'm doing a going back to school type of <laughs> like, this isn't me, but this is what I think my audience wants. And so they kind of took a beat and this year they're like kind of revamping and being like, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to be able to drop the F-bomb or talk about, you know, the fact that, you know, two people in love in relationships, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes yes. relations or whatever else, or sometimes we drink or, and they're like, um, I was shielding myself from being able to have those conversations with my audience. But what's funny is once I finally let go and I started talking about those things that I'm doing, so much of my audience came back and said, we used to watch you, but we have like aged out of you and we felt like you never moved on. And so now I feel like I can relate to you again. And so there's that thing right there, right? You can grow along with your audience, but also being like, they felt like they were trapped at the 17, 18 year old age gap when really it was hurting their brand at the same time because they weren't being just authentic to where they are in their life right now. And I think it's fine to be okay with where you're at in life right now. It is. And I think that's something we all need to get comfortable with because I've struggled with that as well. I used to do a lot of phone fashion, you know, videos because I have a cell phone case company and I would try a lot of brands because I didn't just want it to be about my brand all the time. I was very, you know, inspired by other brands, but I started attracting an audience that was very much younger than me. And what would happen was they wouldn't understand and it, and there's nothing wrong with this, but they wouldn't understand the things, the jokes, the, uh, the references, and they would sort of make fun of me. And it does get to you. It's not as though you want to leave YouTube or anything like that. But I remember taking many breaks because they would say things about my body and I'm an adult. And if I want to, <laughs> if I want to wear a tank top that's lower or like, I'm not afraid of my body. And Um, I think the human body is beautiful. I think the woman's body is beautiful. And I just was having a hard time navigating that because I didn't want to get angry and say like, I can do what I want and upset my audience. But at the same time, I was like, there's this Gary Vee video and it says, sometimes you can't pander to the audience you have now. You have to think forward and think about the audience that you will want. And it's okay if people unsubscribe. You want people to unsubscribe because your voice and your message is right for a certain type of person. If you have anything else to say, I'm going to go on to the third one, but you can, if you have anything to add. That was great. All right. This is one of my favorite questions. Um, The myth is, do you need a niche? And if you don't have a niche, you're not going to succeed on YouTube. (laughs) Oh man. Oh man. All right. So the reason I'm laughing is because I tried so hard to fight against this and to do variety, which is what they tell you not to do, which is what I would tell you not to do because it doesn't work. It doesn't Mm -mm. work unless you're like some special. It is it is the exception (laughs) and not the rule. The rule is usually if you want to grow fast, if you want to build authority if you want to actually 
get someplace, um, then you're probably going to have to narrow it down. But if you don't care and you're throwing spaghetti against the wall or you're brand new and you're not sure what you like or you are okay with growing as slowly as you might if you're a variety channel and knowing that you're going to have huge ebbs and flows in in what watches Mm -hmm. and what isn't getting watched, then you then you can do the no niche thing. But I honestly, as much as I hate and I bucked against it, I would I would strongly advise yes pick a niche and that's not to say yeah. it has to last forever but it should last for a consistent amount of time and maybe you you write yourself a list of ideas that you'd really love to do one day and if you reach a certain milestone like i hit a thousand subscribers i'm going to do a video for me that is completely off the wall then do it but i think that for a lot of us that's it's not the right way to grow right i agree I have, I think Shelly and I, we bonded over this issue (laughs) because um, I also had a variety channel. And as a matter of fact, Roberto Blake, who is awesome and he's on YouTube, you can find him. He's really educated and intelligent about the way he goes about teaching YouTube. And I actually listened to him before I started my channel for about four or five months. I wrote tons of notes like, do I want to do this? Do I want to do this? And it was basically me coming back in 2015 because I took a long break. But I knew that I had to find something. But to be quite frank with you, I don't have a talent talent. Like I am talented as a creator, but I don't have a talent. I'm not, uh, I don't have a sport. I don't have not like a cook. And it's hard to niche something down like that when you love everything. And I love everything. And it's hard. So for me, I was a variety channel. I tried it. I'm not going to say it didn't work, but it didn't work because if you break down the videos that were actually doing well and that grew my channel and had millions of views, they were the ones on pop sockets, which is really funny. That's kind of what I'm, I was known for, <laughs> but those were the videos. So I was like, I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to do phone fashion and accessories, tech accessories. By the way, you came up with tech accessories and that was like, this the coolest thing I know you you said it was from Amazon I think I'm not sure but that was so cool and as soon as I started to do that it was like the loyal audience just showed up but of course I've gone experimentation because 80% should be that and then 20% really should be let's try something and if it doesn't work just stop doing it and go back to what you know like I'm actually going to do (laughs) surprise I'm going to do a tech accessories video probably next week. And that's not something I've done in a while. That's awesome. I didn't know you were going to do that. That's cool. <laughs> I got a really cool product in the mail and I, I, I get hundreds of things. It's not a bragging thing. People send me things. That's just the way YouTube is. It just ends up in your PO box. And I usually do not like things like I'll say, no, I'm, I just, I don't like it, but this it's like a game changer. So I was like, all right, I got to do a video on this. It's not sponsored. I mean, someone just sent me something and I like helping small brands when they're just getting started. So I I'm doing it. I'm just doing it and that's going to be fun and we'll see what happens. I might not get a lot of views on it. It's okay. But a niche is very important. And that could mean a lot of things. Cooking. Yes, is a niche, but it can go further. You know, like what about like cooking only vegan entrees Mm -hmm. or like only vegan food? Yeah. And I think, 
think that a lot of people get really confused on thinking that they have a niche when what they have is, is not, it's, it's very top of funnel. So like someone will say I'm in fitness, you know, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> honey, but like fitness, okay. you've got like people who are into like martial arts, Taekwondo type of fitness, right? You've got um, ballet dancers who are not the type of fitness. You've got college athletes who are going to the NFL combine and hoping to make a team. And then you've got, you know, let's say WWE wrestlers. You can't just say they're all fitness and you're helping every single one of them because you're right. not, that's not, that's not how that works. And so again, it always comes down to you're thinking at the very top level and let's, let's bring it down a little. So what if you were the person that only helps college guys that are looking to go into the NFL combine, I bet they have a completely different set of exercises than the person mm. who's trying to get back body after first baby, right? So we're right. talking about, are we agile? Are we able to do the vertical jump? Are we doing the 40 meter yard dash or whatever it is? Like those are the things and exercises that you focus on when you're helping one client. And then the other person is yoga and light stretching and, you know, basically, figuring out your body again. And, and that's different. And people need to realize again, when they're saying I'm fitness, that's not a niche. No, that's, <laughs> that's just the genre, basically. Yeah. Like, it's like saying it's I make over movies, you know, it's like, exactly. great. What kind of movies? Let's break it down a little farther. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And it's almost like that's an overarching category. And that's amazing. And you can funnel through from the top to the bottom and say, this is my starting point. I know I love because that's the thing I had to think about without having a specific talent. I had to say, I love, or I can talk about all day long, like whatever that thing is all day long. And I won't get bored. Now, of course, YouTube becomes a job. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like it's always fun to get on camera. And especially because, you know, there are things you have to deal with, which I think Shelly and I will come back on for another episode at some point And we'll discuss some of the things like cyberbullying and things we didn't expect to happen. Um, but this has been really good. And I think a lot of people are still wanting to get online, especially on YouTube, because it is such a powerful search engine. So the difference between something like Instagram and something like YouTube is that people are always going to search things that they need. Like you said, if I just had a baby when I did, I wasn't looking for necessarily yoga. I was typing in postpartum, you know, I was typing in how to lose my baby weight. And we could do a whole session on here about SEO, but those are so important points. Those are important points, especially when someone's just starting out because thinking about it sooner rather than later, you can trust us on this one. <laughs> yeah. So much better. Yeah, for sure. And for those, I would just say as parting words or anything for people who really believe I'm multi-passionate and I really need to talk about a lot of different things. Let me also offer up that you can always have multiple channels, one for each type of interest that you have. But I also, just like you can't ride one horse or, you know, five horses with one butt, you're going to sometimes have to pick a lane. <laughs> and when it comes to it, like it's easier if you, <laughs> if you kind of create these content pillars for yourself and you say, Hey, yes. so I want to talk about fitness or I want to talk about cooking or I want to talk about whatever, then 
you start to make the list of video ideas that you would have underneath those. And no matter what and who you are, you will always look at one of those lists and be like, dang, that list is longer than the rest of them. Or that list gets me really excited more than the rest of them. Or dang, that list is going to make me way more money in so many different ways than mm. the other lists. And that's what you decide to go with for now. And if you want to, in the future, you can change or in the future, you can open a new channel or whatever it is. But sometimes I just, I would say, dig into something and get known for something before you can really go off and then be known for lots of things. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I guess we're going to end in just a moment. So you guys can find the saved episodes underneath our profiles. There will be more information to find us online. Right now, I did not fill out my bio yet. I was I, I just saw it that I could do that. So I have my links there. And I think Shelly might have her links on her profile. And yes, just to as a parting you know, word, uh, I really enjoyed doing this. And also, I think um, pre pre-planning is... Is, well, is that a thing? Pre-planning isn't planning, just planning. <laughs> but planning yeah, out is a thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Pre-planning your plan and then finally putting your plan together is one of the most important things. And I hated planning. I was like, no, I'm going to see what I feel like on the day that I want to do a video. So I would advise against that. And I'm excited for other episodes we do on these live shows. I know I'm going to do about three or four more over the course of the next few weeks, maybe Shelly will come back on and maybe Shelly will have me on her shows. But I'm just going to say thank you to everyone. And if, if Shelly wants to say anything as a parting word. Um, I would just say it's definitely not too late to get on YouTube. So whoever's hearing this, if you have something that you want to talk about and you want to share, please do so. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, Shelly, for coming on today. And thank you to everyone listening. We really appreciate you and we'll see you soon. Bye everyone. Bye. <laughs> Bye.